What's up, everybody? It's Mike from Everything Is Earned here. And Tim. Tim's also here. What's up, everyone? We're back. We're excited. Things are happening. And we're only, what, 72 days away? 73? Something like that from football season? Officially, like, 76 six six days from days Browns away. football? So Season opener. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting Tennessee close. Titans. Things are happening. The Indians are, are looking like a real baseball team. Yeah, We've been winning some weird. games. The, the bats have been boating out. Yeah, finally. they started hitting baseballs. Yeah, baseball, <laughs> baseball. That's, that's what they hit. That's yeah, what they hit. That's good. And 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 what the Indians, what the Indians hit. So the Indians, the Indians are playing better. The Cavs had a draft. Overall, things are looking up here in the Cleveland summer sports scene, and we got some stuff to talk about. So we'll start with these Cavaliers real quick. So they did hire a woman assistant coach. Which is apparently news because she's not a male. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was typically what a female is. Um, but it's history because the like obviously assistant uh, women's head coaches in the, in the NBA. But why it's it's special is if she's the first. What was, what's her name? She's the second one. Lindsay Gottlieb. She's the first. No, second. Cause... She's the first. Female to come over from a college program in, in, in women's basketball to come over to the NBA to be recruited and hired. But the Spurs have a, have a woman assistant. Yeah, there's plenty of them. There's a few out there. Yeah, okay. I'm saying she's the plenty, first one to come from... There's plenty of them. There's, there's multitudes of women just running around. <laughs> there's multitudes <laughs> of females just running around. <laughs> on, on, on coaching staffs in the NBA. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. That's fine. Whatever. But yes, first female to come from a, a women's college coaching program over to the NBA. Right, right. You're right on that. I like it. Honestly, if you're good at your job, you're good at your job. Like, regardless of gender or, or animal, creature, whatever. If you're doing your job, I don't care. You're doing your job. Yeah, you're if you're it. a gecko and that, that knows how, how to run an offense, I'm, I'm <laughs> down with it. Like, it's fine. Like, you, like, like bring them on, bring them on board. So, I'm cool with that. I like, I like the, I like the hires. You're good at your, you're your job. John Beeline is, is all gushing about her. So, Good, good thing so far, and it matches up with what the Cavs are trying to do. They want coachings on their staff, and they want the organization to be supportive and be able to develop these young players um, when you finally make your roster younger, which it is now, uh, with the additions of these three new draft picks. So, definitely a fan of the hire. Um, so, going right into it, we got some, got some players that the Cavs picked up here at draft night. I thought they actually had a really good draft night, so... With the fifth pick, we don't tr- we don't trade at all. We didn't love it. I, uh, we I love I love the pick. I didn't love that we fell to the fifth pick. The new lottery system kind of screwed us. Um, putting uh, bid market teams in the top what top three, top four. Oh, t- oh, three three of the top four teams. Uh, top lottery picks were bid market teams. L. A. Memphis and New York. Yeah. Um. So they kind of screwed to leave them a little bit there. I, I think only one of the the. Top three teams that had the, the best odds to win the number one, one pick got inside the top four. Yeah, it was um, a total crap shoot on the new lottery system. I didn't like it at all. But with the pick that we did have, the fifth pick, uh, I think we hit the money. That's um, We picked up Darius Garland, a point guard out of Vanderbilt. Um, he didn't play many games over for them because he, had, he was it, tore his Achilles. He had a bad um, injury. Five games into the season. Um, but the kid is talented. If if he can come back from his injury and be anything like he was, I think I think 
we 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 had to go pit there. Unlike I think unlike last year, people aren't delighted with me with this. We went over skill and talent over kind of like the hustle and and character. Um, I'm not saying he has bad character, but his talent and skill are above whatever he's displayed. Okay, so you're gonna go right at Sexton here, and I'm fine with it, but. The only player that actually really outperformed Sexton and it was taken after Sexton was uh, uh, Gildas Alexander, who was awesome. I thought had all the uh, talent and ability to be where the Cavs should have picked. You have big, big time point guard, uh, great ball handling ability, good, good pace, fluid, finish around, finish around the rim, natural, good defender, and just a natural basketball player. So. I don't think that Sexton has that natural basketball ability. He definitely has some athletic ability, but he has obviously has to work a little bit harder because he doesn't have that natural. And, and he's been and player. he's been shown that he's, he's willing to do that. Um, you saw during the season he was he's putting all this work in uh, the off season, and, and coaches and 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 the, the trainers on the Cavs staff this ways about his work ethic and how if he had a bad student night he put in that extra work. I mean, I think I thought that the Cavs had made a little bit more news than it is because I think most NBA players, at least younger ones or ones that truly want to get better, do that on a, on a night-night basis during the season. Let's have some context here, though. Let's have some context because the Cavs were in a very difficult position going into the season uh, this past year. So you you lose LeBron and then Kevin Love goes down early, which is not what you were hoping to have happen. Obviously, you never planned for these type of injuries to your best player. And you never found rhythm throughout the entire year, pretty much. Well, Except for the last well Kevin was games. out for 60, what, 65 games? He was out for a long time. And 50-some? 57? Yeah, yeah a, long, a, lot, a lot of games. And your offense and your team got turned over three or four times with the trades. And you never really had a, a good uh, mentor for Sexton. That, that's a big part of it. But you also asked a lot of him during his rookie year. So the first half he was horrendous, and he was he was very uh, very easy to criticize. The second half he put a lot of work in. Kevin Love came back. They mixed up the lineups. They end up putting Larry Nance into more lineups with Sexton, which actually really helped because Nance was doing a very nice job passing out of the uh, the top of the elbows there. And he, he's he's good setting screens and, and kind of rolling and playing off. Sexton in that that kind of high pitch and roll, or the, the the two man pitch and roll game up top, which the Cavs offense was centered around. Yeah, so they they needed they needed a guy to pass to be able to they need to put some passes around Sexton because he's not a, a great passer. He's not a natural passer. He's not a natural. He, he needs fit. to learn how to do it. He's not a natural fit at the point guard. He's really a shooting guard. Everyone I think in Cleveland is kind of on board at this point. He's a tweener. At saying Sexton is a shooting guard. Um, but he's Which not, is why we picked up Darius Garland. Yes, a absolutely. natural scorer, an, uh, a natural fluid ball handler and passer. He can he can create for himself, but and with that space, he can create for others too. I think that's what the Kobe Altman and kind of the rest of the the front office was kind of thinking there. Yeah, I, I really like the pick. I think it's a smart one. Uh, I think you you go get the best player on the board, which best is what available. you have to do when you're in a rebuild. You don't have time to mess around and go. Oh, well, we got to get this player, get that player. I mean, ultimately, what we know is that Sexton is more than likely going to be an off the bench player once the Cavs roster gets good. Okay, so don't don't go kill me on this one. He's a starter right now. He's starting right now. We're not, gonna, we're not we're not going to put him on the bench right now. But when the Cavs roster gets upgraded in talent, he is and will be a backup point guard or well, shooting guard. Well, we're going to be we're kind of stuck in a cap situation this year. But after this year, we have a lot of cap for you. Know, was it sixty-seven million roughly? Yeah, it's a uh, ton in of twenty twenty. 
Um, and there's a, I think there's a bit, a few bid uh, free agents. I can't think of any of you off the top of my head right, right now. Um, but I think, I think that's what um, the front office has been like, kind of dealing towards and kind of shifting the the contracts towards because they they picked up the we don't have any more, but picked up the George Hill contract. They they picked up Brandon Knight. Um, Jetty expires after this year, I believe. Um, so does Henson, and so does Tristan Thompson. Right, and Tristan Thompson has and Dallas Dover. And Della Dover. So, so you have all these space. expiring contracts. You're basically uh, had the opportunity to turn over the the whole two thirds of your roster. Sign a match, did a few, and build a few role players. On. At this point, right now, as the Cavs roster stands, you're only going to have seven players going into next year under contract. You're going to have the three rookies. Garland, um, uh, Windler, Dylan and, Windler, and, and then Kevin Porter Jr. Right, and then you have your guys that are currently on the Cavs roster: Kevin Love, uh, uh, Larry Nance, Sexton, and uh, Ante Zizic. So there's your there's your you seven. Still have Ante on the contract. There's your seven guys. Everyone else is gone after this year, unless you decide to re-sign him or or you know or. is a restricted free agent right now, isn't he? We need, yeah. we need to re-sign him. But if the season started today. Like going in next year, you only have seven guys under contract. So it means you it means you have to add eight players to your roster. Always <laughs> so, sign a few. Well, so here's the thing: you're gonna probably you're gonna probably add a couple more players next year in the draft, and then you're then you're hoping you can overpay a free agent to really beef up the sign roster. Yeah. Or if the Cavs surprise you midseason, you could get rid of a couple of those expiring contracts to a bad team, and then look and, and look and to make a move, make a, at, make at a the playoff bar, push, and make a playoff push. You know, for for you know a six or five or six seed if you're if you're really that good. But you know, there's the chances think, are think, they're not gonna I be think, that good. I think it, I think it could be. I think we just have to stay healthy, and that's a bit it's a it's a bit if, uh, especially with Kevin Love's history. Um, there's Garland. We haven't talked about Kevin Porter Jr., but he just can't. He, no, he, was he the one that that had that killer injury? No, Kevin Porter Jr. had uh, problems with. Um, with the coaching staff, well, he had he had, he had that's that, why but he, he also, dropped out. Oh, and, he had a, he had a menis he had a men, meniscus tear, I think. Yeah. Kevin Porter, yeah. I don't know his red flags were I know all, it's, I know, I, were all personal, like all personnel stuff. So okay, kind of going back to the draft here a little bit. Garland loved the pick. Uh, you take Windler at twenty six, even though Porter Jr. were still on the board. Windler is nice. I, I like Windler. Windler. I like he, Windler. A lot. That can shoot. Um, he put he dropped thirty five points on Maryland in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Which seven threes. Nice. I seven watched. Threes. I watched the full highlights on that. I really enjoyed watching him shooting that game. He he moves nice. He moves. He moves without the ball. He rebounds. I think he's what six nine, six eight. He's a big boy. He's a small small he forward. He rebounds exceptionally well at the small forward position too. Part of that is, is because he moves so well. Yeah, he just moves into the position and finds perfect space. fit. For John Beeline's motion offense that is designed for shooters. Absolutely pace perfect. Face in face. I'm going to love watching Kevin Love with Windler in a, in and a lineup a, this year. He shot, it's going to be so like, much fun. He shot 42% downtown, I think, over the last two seasons. Yeah, he's a straight he, he baller. Made and he's a left-handed guy. We picked up a couple left-handed shooters this time. I yeah, like it. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is yeah. a lefty, too. He I like only played a few games, too. I think he only played 12, but he, he shot 41% non-down, too. That's so awesome. I'm such a fan. Darius um, Dolan shot, I think, 47 and a half. I mean, granted, he only played five games. That's why it's so high. But I thought if he played a full season or near a full season, he could maybe average 37 to 39%. Rich Paul. He's a valley good shooter. Of, uh, 
of what's the name of their organization? Rich Paul's thing? Clutch Clutch Sports? Clutch Sports. Clutch Sports. Yeah, he said that a certain Clutch Sports uh, player is a big fan of of Darius Garland, hinting at LeBron James, obviously. So LeBron was a big fan of Garland. You know who who, who LeBron was also a fan of? Sebaz Napier. Yeah, that's well. Okay, that, that's good context there, Tim. That's really good context. <laughs> Noah's Cole was that, that one too? Yeah, Noah's Cole was garbage too. But. Anyways, um, I, I do I do like Dylan with it. Um, actually, I forgot to almost forgot to mention, but I was telling you, I think the day after, I think I think Dylan Willa is just a more kind of a better in shape, more in shape Joe in the Ingles. He kind of he kind of kind of has that kind of speed and kind of pace to him. Um, he has an IQ where he kind of knows what he's doing, and he's just, he's not down shooter. I think he's just a little faster, a little bit more in shape. Hasn't ate as many donuts or whatever as as Joe Angels. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's a great comparison because he is that strappy shooter, and he does move very well, like Joe Angles does. You know, it's the one thing I really noticed about uh, Windler is is good shooters have a do a good job of setting their their feet prior to getting the ball. And then even when they get the ball, they're good, they have a good job of lining themselves up. And you notice that when with good shooters versus the guys who had just maybe had like an outlier season. Right. Yeah. I, he has a valid kill shot. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 gonna be consistent. It's his, his, his shooting mechanics are, are fundamentally sound. I really like it. And it's here to stay. Yeah. Long term. So you add you add shooting, which the Cavs desperately need last year. They could not hit threes. And they filled that hole pretty quickly. Then you add uh, a little bit of potential. We got uh, Kevin Porter Jr. at 30. That's Sniped my him. favorite pick. Sniped him. It's my favorite pick. I think Kevin Porter Jr. has all the potential to be like a Kyle Kuzma of this draft. Like, he has high, Hot high take. potential. Like, he's... Okay, Kyle Kuzma got picked late, too. But I'm saying... that what, no, 20, I'm, not saying 20, he's, I'm not saying he's a Kyle Kuzma type. 20, I'm saying... 25th? He has an opportunity to be a diamond in the rough type of player. Basically, the deal with Porter Jr. was is he didn't get along well with his coach. Now, in college, coaches only have so much leverage with players. You can't find them because you're not paying them. Duh. So you could the best thing you can do, and pretty much the only thing you do, is send their butt to the bench. So, in college, Porter Jr. had games where he just wouldn't even play because the coach wouldn't play him. And then you have games where he dropped 20 in like 10 minutes. Like, that's just who he was because he didn't get the minutes uh, they probably deserved to his play style. So they said there was the the coach issues with the coach. There was a little bit of issues with uh, his practice habits. Injury. So practice habits basically means hey, you know, we're not maybe going as hard as we want in practice. We're not maybe showing up on time in practice. That kind of stuff. So practice habits was another thing. Um, and then you know, it, and then they just uh, you know didn't really release what it was. Like some players, you know what the problem is. Like I'm not saying this is this is uh, basketball, but like. In college, we knew that James Winston stole some lobsters. <laughs> we never heard what really happened, just small murmurings of why Kevin Porter Jr. dropped. But when he did make plays, the overall like take on him is that he, he made NBA-type moves when he was scoring, and he could score in bunches. He has also a potential. That's what it is. I his think ceiling, so. His ceiling is high. It's super high. It, it, it all depend, it, it depends on a lot of things, but it, it, it's up to him to put in the work it's up to the player development and John Beeline to, to dim the tools and kind of dim the confidence and freedom to expand his game and, and feel confident in, in, in his development. And then it's up to the, the veterans to also kind of, kind of lead him the way and kind of show him how, how it ta- what it takes to be, to be a professional. 
this is the this is the either you're gonna show up or you're not type of situation. It's not college anymore because you're not you're gonna get paid now. This is your job. This is your livelihood. If you put the work in, you're gonna see the rewards. We've and seen that over the last couple. There's of years. tons of money to be made, and he's still a first round player, so he's got guaranteed money. He wasn't a second round pick. The Cavs did pay a record five million dollars for the pick, and he also gave up four second round picks to get him. Well, three, four if um the fourth uh, second round pick. Lands between fifty five and, and it's a protected and 60. pick, so I think that's two twenty twenty two. I think that's I fine. I'm not sure. Whatever. But I'll t- uh, second round picks. That, that fourth one's only if it's in that. That's what you get time, second round picks time. for. That's why. That's why Kobe Altman amassed all these second round picks because you're going to use them for a situation like when Porter Jr. pops up and says, "I'll take a, a flyer on this guy." Like this is a this is a low risk, high reward situation, and, and that's what you do at the end of the first round. Absolutely, absolutely. And the now round, some people wanted bull bull really badly. He didn't get picked I was, I was one of those 47th. Dude. I was one of those people. 47th. He got picked up by the Nuggets, obviously, because the Nuggets understand development really well. And they also take flyers on injured players like Kevin, like uh, Michael Porter Jr. And Bob Wall is also injured bone. Yeah, well, so his, but, his, they his said lanky, tall flame. But he doesn't weigh anything. He's like, like 210 pounds. 215. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's not, nothing. He's not a big I think, I think he has, he has a high potential, but I think... Why a lot of people pass on him is his work ethic. He's been known to be lazy. It's his and medicals, dude. No, it's his medicals. Wait, you know, he has that lazy label on him. No, I he think, has I think it on his, him. I think it's his medicals, dude. Okay, you don't drop. You don't drop from from like a top fifteen, top twenty pick. It's both to forty seven. Lazy, yeah, laziness. it's both. Yeah, man, I think Bobo's ultra skilled. His offensive game is very polished. His defensive game still needs work. It's his work ethic. That's that's why I drop. I don't think it's work ethic. I think it's medical. Teams man. aren't sure about the work ethic. In the NBA, you need to be able to have you need to have a strong work ethic to succeed or become that to fulfill that also potential. And if he doesn't have it, if it's just mediocre, then he's not gonna do anyway. He's gonna be a thon maker and just just kind of fall through the cracks. That's a good comparison because thon maker could be a really really good player, but I don't know if he's ever gonna make the leap. I don't think he has the mentality of that. I think I don't think his basketball IQ is there. He has that Dion, what we call. Between me and you, the Dion Waiters syndrome. Dion Waiters brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not quite there. Wiggy <laughs> Davis, Dion Waiters, uh, Andrew Wiggins, and the list goes on. Just guys who just don't have the mentality. Has all to the, the talent, all the talent ever, just don't figure it out because it's the mentality. Just the <laughs> the stuff between the ears just doesn't click. Right, I'm with you there. I get it. So. The Cavs, I think, did a really nice job in the draft. I'm actually very happy with it. And you know why I think the Cavs did a good job in the draft? Why's that? Because Dan Gilbert was not involved. <laughs> he was busy recovering from a stroke, which we, we hope he gets better. Because, you know, you don't want to wish ill on people, especially sickness and strokes and stuff. That's awful. But he wasn't involved in the draft process, so that's, that's pretty good. Because it went really smoothly from what all accounts are. Yeah, I think I, think su- I was surprised by Toby Ullman. Um, actually, I would be a, I would have been surprised if it was Kobe Ullman, but I watched an interview where Kobe Ullman basically said he just he just basically held uh, John Beeline's hand the entire time and just asked him and to like, point out players and which one he want. That's basically what I got from him. He's like, oh, really? no, like John's really good. He's, he's a really good uh, eye for talent, and he just kind of pointed me in the direction of what he was trying to do, and we just went with it. And so. He, the three droppets we have, you can thank John Beeline. Okay, I'll say this about Kobe. I think Kobe was not ready for the job. And I think 
he, he's grown into it since getting the job. I think his first trade will be the worst of his career, hands down. Worst of the franchise. Yeah, too. with the Kyrie trade. But I think since then, he's gotten a lot of trades very right. He's done a very nice job since well, he, then. He got seven uh, draft bits this past year. Yeah, he did a really good nice what, job two of flipping and... assets. And they did a nice job of picking up picking up expiring contracts to help clear the like the like the balance sheet. You're not you don't have any Antoine Jamesons on this roster that are killing your ability to rebuild. That's a nice thing. Yeah, you picked up expiring contracts for draft picks, and now you know unload and 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 hopefully pick up a mass in 2020. I think Cavs are really trying to run a three year plan. Like that's what it looks like. Like be bad last year, get a high draft pick. Be bad this year, get a high draft pick. Be good next year, make the playoffs. That seems to be the and then, yeah, the and, then and then and the the rookies and young players would go into the uh, playoff experience absolutely and and figure out then yeah I think so so that's gonna wrap up our Cavs section of it let's kind of jump over to the Browns a little bit so the Browns uh, nothing's really happening we're in that weird period where we're waiting for a training camp to start and the only news that happens is what players say on social media and what uh, what really smart uh, people say on on social media who are reporters and are trying to cook up stories. You missed, you guys missed that, but Mike did air quotes with reporters. Yeah, I'm not saying, uh, there's a reporter out there, his name name rhymes with uh, uh, phony uh, Hosey, I guess, that just likes to cook up stuff. But, uh, not to trash anybody, but there's guys out there who just aren't that great. So, OBJ has been on a little bit of a social media streak. He's been tweeting his face off, and he said he was going to go dark and then appeared and he, like and he didn't. <laughs> in like a day. So, Tim, what are your thoughts on the OBJ back from the dark so quick? I think he has the same mentality as, as Baker Mayfield. If he sees something that he doesn't agree with or that he, he knows to be, to be false and, and, and this straight slander towards him or his teammates or something about the organization, he's going to speak up about it. And put in his two cents. And essentially, what he did is a fan, or I think it might have been Colin Howard again. That's that seems to be Baker's and OBJ's um, go-to uh, uh, analyst to uh, respond to. But um, basically, what happened was a bunch of people tapped on this, uh, slandering him about the whole his whole situation and, and how he handled uh, it with the Giants and how. And how like the Giants are better off without him. Um, well, he did the whole complex interview where he talked about like British fashion, a couple other things, and he basically said that in New York he wasn't going to be able to fulfill his full potential. And then of course half the internet was like, "No, it was your fault, OBJ." And then he was like, "Yeah, right," and tweeted back at like thirteen people and like kept tweeting about like how like. He's been he's, he's been consistent with his stand. Stuff. He, he he keeps on repeating. I'm not okay with losing. Uh, I want to wear a gold jacket and I want to win. Yeah, and I'm, I want to cool. I want to win a championship. I'm cool with all three of those things. I like those three. What I think is different with OBJ is he has one of the biggest brands in the NFL, and when it comes to how he handles himself online, it seems like he gets bothered by the noise a little bit more than Baker. Like Baker seems like he does it for fun. OBJ seems to do it because he's actually annoyed. I mean, we make all this money. You have all these things happening. You're one of the best football players in the league. Like, what else is there to do, like, or to look at besides sitting there on social media and see what people are saying about you? And then as soon as people start barking at him, he's like, listen, like, let me set the record straight here. 
and he comes off a little too like immature with it. Well, I would well, I, I, you, I would you. like him to just let some of that stuff fly. I think you can compare some of that to it's there's two ways. There's two there's two different ways you can swing. You can do swing it negative way. You can fit, you can compare it to the whole Kevin Durant situation where he's just letting his haters and his doubters get the best of him and creep inside his head. Or you can say it's kind of like that LeBron mentality where every once in a while he'll speak out, he'll say what's on his mind, uh, and and he, you know he's composed and he has a he has a he has his head on straight. Um, For me, it's somewhere in the middle. I think he's a little more clo- a little further to the Kevin Durant side right now. I think Bay is in the middle. But, but what, I, I, I what I think right now is happening with OBJ is we're just in that weird waiting period where he's not playing football, so everything we're doing right now on social media is just speculation. So we can't we can't judge anything with actual um, performance until we get real football. So it's going to be till August till we actually can say stuff about OBJ in actual facts about football. In and uniform, once on the at, field. Once the Browns take the field, they start playing with the, with the ability that we think they are going to, all this kind of noise will, will kind of slide away, and you'll let the facts speak for themselves, and OBJ's interviews will be different, and his, his social media will be different. But right, now, will be different too. right now, he's just bothered because it's a big life transition for him, and he just has a lot of critics out there because of how massive his brand is. So for me, I just like him to just tone it down just a little bit, and just be a little more tactful. Him and Baker need to hang out, and he needs to hand Baker his phone a couple times and let him go at it. That's a good point. Uh, I think also you have to look at the fact that he's adjusting from the New York lifestyle and the media. That even if he if you'd say these things, they kind of get hidden under 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 houses or, or under bridges, or whatever, and this kind of get or whatever flown over your head, airplane mode. Um, but this is he's in Cleveland and. Not a lot happened to Cleveland, and now he's just, he's the star in Cleveland, along with along with Baker, um, Lindor, or whatever Kevin Love. He's a he's a top three in there, in Cleveland. He's experiencing all that media, all the attention from the fans, from from the local reporters, and then that kind of just drags on and kind of just kind of kind of like domino effects throughout all the other like kind of like I guess you can say the football like fandom. Well, here's the other thing too: is is the National League. Cleveland doesn't have the same kind of love that we Clevelanders think it deserves. So there, he's, he's experiencing a whole second set of criticism because he's going to a market like Cleveland. So like, are you really okay to go to Cleveland? Are you gonna be okay, OBJ? Is your is your are you gonna be all right in Cleveland because it's smaller than New York? Can you handle the the smallness of Cleveland versus New York? And that's what he's getting. He's getting some of that, and he's getting the New York fans, which are a bunch of haters at this point. They're like, we need you anyways. We it was all it was all your fault. It wasn't Eli's fault. Like Eli wasn't a yeah. broken arm quarterback. Like yeah, they're in the, they're in the stage of denial. Right denial now. stage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They'll they'll want him back midseason or game two. You know, whatever. But honestly, they'll, get, they'll get to accept, acceptance eventually. We'll we'll stop worrying about what OBJ is tweeting once we get some real football. So, but it's, but at this point, no news. So we're just we're kind of hanging on every word that OBJ is out there tweeting about. So moving on. Not a, not a lot of stuff going on in the football section. So we're going to talk about the Indians now. So Indians, they look like they're about to fall off the face of the earth and just tumble down into oblivion. For the first 50 games of the season? And that all of Cleveland was going to abandon them and never watch another Indians For game. For the first third of the season, yeah. The yeah, it looks games. really, 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 really bad. But recently they've been really hot. They've been real hot. And they got the bats going and we're actually starting to win games that we should win. 
That's the that's the main thing. That's the main difference. Uh, our pitching's been still been good. Uh, it has been for most of the year. I mean, we've had we felt we've dealt through injuries, but yeah, those are some real injuries. I but mean, the the big problem is the bats. We haven't been that damn done. Well, you look at how well the pitching is done. Stepping in with the injuries, you have Plesic and you have Bieber, and you have um, and you, ha- you had Clevenger pitching really well until t- he got injured. But look at the big injuries you've had. You have Clevenger, Carrasco, and Kluber. Your top three guys, three of your top four guys, have have been injured. And then Bowers had a down year so far. And you look at them going, man, and they're still in the race right now. They're eight games out of the uh, out of out of the division, and they're in the wild card if it ended today. Which is impressive, considering what the outlook looked like a month ago, and how bad they've been. Yeah, so you get you get Marcado called up, thank God, and he's been playing his butt off. I mean, the the guy's batting was he batting like three tweet three twenty three ten. Yeah, he's he's having a he's having a great year so far. He settled in 310, there. Four four home runs and fifty on the guys. Yeah, they just moved him to center field. Love that. Um, and they just called up Bobby Bradley the, uh, on on uh, Saturday. Saturday Sunday Sunday. Very recently, they call it Bobby Bradley, and a lot Sunday, 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 and he, and he started off. And he's that's Detroit with a, with a double, with a, with the with the ground rule double, first uh, major league hit. Awesome, love it. So the Indians are undefeated when Bobby Bradley plays, which is awesome, and uh, and they're looking much better. So if we get some momentum going into the All Star break, and we can close out these few games uh, before we get there, we will look, we will be in a good position second half of the year. Uh, to, to make a little playoff run. Now, I don't know if they're going to actually be able to cause any damage in the playoffs. I think you have to add another bat at least, and I think you have to get two of those three pitchers healthy. So you have to either get back Mike Clevenger and... Do we bat soon? And Carrasco I healthy, think, I or think, you're going to have to get well, he, we Clev ended, and Kluber back healthy. Yeah, Clevenger, we injured that, uh, that's his, his sprained ankle, the, his first game back. But I think that there's, there's being safe with him. Keeping him out a couple weeks. Supposed to be back on Friday. Yeah, keeping him out a couple weeks. He's, pro- he's projected he's on, to start Friday. So he's one hundred percent. So fine. not not too long here. So that'll that'll be good to get Club back. I think he's having a. a I think he's been a really good pitcher for the Indians. He'd be a number or like two guy in most places, and he's like our number four guy. Speaking of number two guys, um, before we get into that, um, to wrap up, how how uh, how hot the Indians have been. They are uh, thirteen and five in the last eighteen games, and eight and two in the last ten. Which is. Fantastic. Um, so, as you know, baseball is kind of weird. So, let's let's hope the Indians can stay hot. Yeah, if you can get if you can stay hot uh, and then use the momentum of the All Star Weekend being here, I think you can make a run. So, you have to figure out what you're gonna do with getting a little bit more a little bit more hitting, and you're gonna have to probably make a move. I don't. I think at this point we're not gonna be sellers at the trade deadline. Now we're probably gonna be buyers if you're gonna make a move. If a if a bat stay hot, if we if our offense is to continue to do its one over the last last few games here. If Bobby Bradley can come in and play very well, I think you're going to be in a good position. I'd probably say we didn't average more than four runs of games the first what 45, 50 games. But over the past eighteen, we've 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 averaged five point one uh five point nine runs a game and six point six over the last ten games. And we're finally positive in run differential. We're plus twenty three in run differential, it which is it which is sixty five games. Yeah, which is really sad because at this time uh, the uh, Twins are are at uh, one hundred five sixty seven. My bad on the run, on oh, run differential. Seventy seven. My fault. <laughs> yeah, I went to seventy seven games. Yeah, it's still only taking a little bit, no, not too long. All right, so this is going to bring us to our last segment here, which is going to be our buy or sell, which is our weekly segment we're going to do now. Actually, we have two. We have two. Yeah. 
We have uh, This Week in Cleveland, where we discuss the main bullet points, so basically a summary of what we just did. And then, yeah, the, the new buy or sell. Where you buying all the, statement, the statements we have? Are you buying it or are you selling it? You, so want, you want to start us up? We're starting with the Cavs, I think. Okay, so buy or sell. Kevin Porter Jr. will be the next James Harden. Um, through his uh, his knack, uh, his his athletic ability and his knack for creating off the dribble and with a lethal step back, he's drawn t- comparisons to James Harden um, and saying that he has the potential to kind of morph into the player that uh, James Harden became. Um, I don't think he, he's going to be a player. Uh, um, he is a strong isolation player. Um, actually, the an NBA uh, top skills trainer, um, Chris Brickley, um, said he's the biggest sleeper in the draft. Um, but I don't. It's it's really hard to predict, and that's James Harden. Uh, I think his game is more um, more uh, comparison to Kelly Olynyk. This has same. Kind of like Kelly Oubre. You got that in my head, Kelly Kelly Oubre from uh, over in Phoenix. I think he has a similar uh, similar style, similar movement, and kind of a similar frame and body type. Um, but he has potential to be a star. Uh, I just don't think superstar is that ceiling. I'm gonna sell that as well because I think the comparison's interesting. When he has like scored, he does show flashes of what James Harden kind of looks like. But you gotta remember, James Harden is now an MVP. And he's he's been he's been an absolute monster. He's so refined. He's so efficient. For but, for, for uh, Kevin Porter Jr. to be anywhere close to James Harden, he needs he needs to. He could be he needs to become early, so much more polished. He could be like early uh, Thunder James Harden. Yeah, that's a real possibility. Yeah. So we'll see we'll see how all shakes out. But we're gonna both sell that one. Uh, number and, two and oh yeah, he, he done play. I think you bought this up. He, he dunks like uh, Jalen Bond. He dunks kind of like Jalen Bond. He he's, he's aggressive. He, he's an aggressive dunker. It's going to be very fun to watch him hit, make some dunks on the uh, this Cavs season. Catching lobs from Darius Garland. He's going to play in the um the, in the summer league, unlike uh, Garland. So him and Windler will play in the summer yeah, league. Yeah, Garland, they're keeping him out just for health concerns, just, just to be safe. And then, yeah, Garland and, and Porter Jr. will, will play. I think, well, is Seth going to play too? You're right. I'd imagine. You're wrong. Um... I, you said Garland. Oh, oh, Kevin Porter and, and Windler. Yes. I'll play. Thank you. Garland is, is sitting out. Okay, so um, number two, the Browns, uh, are you buying or selling Richard Higgins will be a pro bowler? I'm going I'm to sell that one. I think I think he has a talent to do it. Uh, maybe on a, on a less uh, skilled offensive team, a less a high-powered offense, he could be. But with all the weapons we have, we still have to do Chubb, Kareem Hunt after eight games, Najoku, OBJ, Juice, uh, Antonio Callaway, who's been under the radar with all the, these weapons. I think with Freddie Kitchens' offense and how Patriots going to spread out the ball, I just don't think he's going to have the numbers to reach the Pro Bowl. Um, but I think he could do it on a, on a, in a different system or on a different team. So I'm, I'm going to sell that. I'm going to buy that. You hear yeah. that? You hear that, Rashard? I'm buying that. And and we're one game focused. But go on. I'm going to buy that. Um, I think he is really the Browns' number two receiver, and that Juice is our number three receiver. I think Higgins has undeniable chemistry with Baker Mayfield, 
His 71% catch percentage last year was out of this world. The second in the league? It's super high. It's crazy high. So Baker and him are absolutely on the same page. He loves catching balls from Baker. He knows exactly where it's going to be. He gets open And he so creates well. passing windows super well. So I'm going to buy it because I know Baker, when in trouble, is going to look for Rashard Higgins. And he's going to get big time uh, opportunity because there's going to be so much focus on OBJ and Juice that you're going to see Higgins flying open and, and he's going to make big time plays. I'm going to say absolutely Pro Bowl. Well, he, ha- he, has, all the, he has all the intangibles. Uh, he gets open very well in, in zone and his catch radius uh, in man-to-man is underrated. And as you saw a few times throughout the year, um, several times throughout the year, he has he has un- he has it's he has extremely underrated footwork and his ability to come down with two feet uh, on basically anywhere on the field is something that that has been overlooked and, and will be overlooked until until people start noticing him. But we'll notice him now. Yeah, he it, he and he's he's a big time weapon for the Browns, and I think. He's an underlooked player, like you said, and national media is gonna have to look out for him because he will have because some the big bonds, time games. the bonds are beyond national media. They're, they have what four primetime games this yeah, year. Yeah, and we're, so gonna, we're gonna we're, see we're gonna flex is. that fifth game. You know what to flex in that fifth game. Right? Oh yeah, it's gonna happen. It's happening. It, it's optional, but we know optional quote, end quotes means it's gonna happen. We know that the New England game is gonna get flexed in. We'll, we all just know it. They just can't do it right away because they can't give us five games after we missed the playoffs last year. And the last little bit on Higgins, I think he was overshadowed. Oh, it still was overshadowed last year because he was injured for a lot of it. He 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 did some rhythm and he did injured and he did some rhythm with Baker and he explode and have like a hundred twenty yard game and then he he turned an ankle. Yeah. So, so if he didn't stay healthy here, th- and then let him explode and have a big year. I think I think I think what you said on buying on him being Pro Bowl is, is a valuable possibility. I I just think within the offense, within the steam. One-oriented offense. I just don't think he's going to do the touches, the numbers to do it. And you know when you're working in a room with guys like OBJ and Juice, you're only going to get better, and you're gonna, you're going to feed off the what the, the energy they're doing and the energy. The, the, the work ethic. You saw how how that changed with. Uh, you're going to pick up Jarvis those Landry. little. Th- you're going to pick up those little things that OBJ and Juice are doing too. You don't get to be around that every day and just and just not pick up anything. He's going to add to his game. From being in the same wide receiver room, with oh those yeah, guys. The, the elite little, the little things that that like I said that made that elite whatever player in this case wide receiver that OBJ does so well or Jarvis does so well. I mean, it's on a daily basis that that probably on a base, daily basis that's how that elite still forms. So I agree. Being around them is only going to be better. You, you don't get worse around Tom Brady. If, if anything, you say neutral. But most of the time, you're going to lift it up because just overall, just uh, I said that elite talent, that elite work ethic. That's why the Patriots can sell their their backup quarterbacks for first round picks every year. <laughs> every year, every year. You remember when Matt Flynn got like an eighty million dollar contract? Holy crap! And and, and then they waved him after a season to realize he was trash. Yeah, he was. He wasn't the next Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. Yeah, what a what a ridiculous uh, um, contract that guy got from one game. He had one big game. One game. He made himself a lifetime of money. Oh no, that was that was behind Aaron Rodgers. Matt, yeah. Matt Flynn. What? Okay. I'm saying, yeah, he okay. was. I thought we were talking about Tom Brady. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the last uh, bio cell is with the Indians. Uh, bio cell. Uh, will the Indians trade Trevor Bauer before the? Uh, July 31st trade deadline? I'm going to say no, okay? So I, I say no because at this point, with the Indians being hot, 
they're going to be um, they're going to be buyers at this point. So they're not trying to like sell off a big prospect of a big player like Bauer because they're going to make a push. The only way you trade Bauer is if you get back uh, a package with, like, of like Clint Frazier. You get back a huge offensive. Uh, well, no, because you can get package. back Clint Frazier and a couple other players from the Yankees, and I'd be happy. But you have to know that like you're going to get Carrasco back, and you have to know that you're going to get Kluber back healthy at some point here, where they can put. He's supposed to be out until at least mid-August at this point. But we need, we long. don't need more pitching. What's cost us in the last two years of the playoffs? Hitting. hitting. We haven't had the hitting. So if you add another hitter like Clint Frazier, you're going to be in a good spot. So, so I'm going to I'm going to sell, sell it. it. I'm going to sell it. But I think there's a real possibility it could still happen. I just think the possibility of the Indians holding on to Bauer and waiting till next season is to trade likely. him is more likely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. Um, I think I think we done it a little bit back earlier than expected. Um, I think I, I'm I'm confident or I'm crossing my fingers and hope that Clevenger can stay healthy. Um, and are pitching with with um, Bieber and, and stays consistent and Bowers uh, starts to deal a little bit uh, with him here. Um, and just trade in for some bats. Uh, I said I think like someone like Clint Frazier or uh, uh, someone to take the load off of Ramirez and and Lindor um, to really benefit and like like you said make that playoff push. So I'm gonna buy it. All right, all right. I'm. I'm, I'm... I, I can see your. We point have two there. aces. If 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 Kluber is healthy, he he's he's not done it. Um, no one's gonna start over him on on any given team. On mm-hmm. Basically, any given team. No matter how good Trevor Bell is, but he's compete. He he's 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 openly publicly competed against Kluber for, as a better pitcher. Yeah, and he was a Cy Young candidate last year, and Bauer had an amazing year last year. We've had great pitching. He'll he'll get some rhythm here going into the second half of the season, I think. So. But there needs to be some balance. We need to see more hitting. You you win with hitting. I think we have enough. We have enough pitching. I don't know. I don't know there. if Mercado is gonna is gonna stay hot either. He I, looks. I like, he's, he looks he's, he's nasty, but he looks poised and he looks like he fits in. Okay, I, I like him a lot, but he baseball like, is so weird. He played like I don't want two hundred games in the minors. Dude. I don't want to get my hopes up. Like two forty, he played two hundred forty games in the minors. The guy is more than ready to be here in 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 the in the big leagues. I'm I'm fine with Marcado. He's not. He's gonna be fine. Stop hating him, my boy. All right. Well, then I'm gonna say I don't believe in Jose. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Jose Ramirez. Yeah, we all don't believe in Jose Ramirez at this point. That's fine. You can you can take that. Cause, yeah. Because Jose Ramirez is actually, I I take I take that buy if if we if the the buy was um. Trade Ramirez? Yeah, it's, no, Ramirez, I, I say that the Indians organization doesn't believe that he's that he's not good. The fans believe that he's oh, actually not good. I think I've said this a few times, but I've compared them to uh, Tyler Lally in the playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just wait to see how things shake out. But but well, more, if you start getting all these hitters around Ramirez and he still doesn't wake the heck up, then you know you have a problem, or you know you have an, a depreciating asset. Yeah. So we'll but, see what happens. But on a flip note, um, Hot Woman Story, Tyler Lally. Overcame the odds. I'm I'm doing air quotes and Dallas championship. Yeah, he did. What which means quite a lot of carried him on back. And Van Fleet had the big moment in Game Seven. Yep, yeah, he did. Yeah, not Kyle. I, I will continue to say he should have started over Kyle Lowry all year. That's fine. But, I, I'm bored. All right, guys, we're going to wrap things up on this episode. Oh, we're super nope. happy to be back. We do have to let you know there's that contest going on for our tickets. We're we're giving out some tickets. We got preseason tickets to, to the Lions, preseason tickets to the the Redskins, and then we're giving away a jersey. So 
Don't freaking miss it. Jump on our social media it's pages. Big, it's a big ticket. It's a big time big ticket. ticket item. Look out for our social media pages. Make sure that you share our page. Let people know what's going on. We're going to cover the Cleveland sports like no other place is covering Cleveland sports. Uh, and we're going to give you the content you're actually looking for. Not this regurgitated crap that you're going to see about uh, the same story that ESPN posted five minutes ago. That's just not going to happen. We're going to look for the stuff that matters. We're going we're gonna to get the stuff that you guys want to talk about. And we're going to be active and on there when you guys want to have discussions. So we appreciate everyone who's following the podcast, everyone who's on social media. And we're excited for you know what, what this next uh, these next few months are going to bring here in Cleveland sports. Do you, do you have a handle? No? No, I don't have a handle right okay. now. Okay, all right. I don't have a handle either. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We super appreciate it, guys. And uh, my name is Mike. My name is Tim. And as always, in Cleveland, everything is earned. We'll talk to you soon.